want you Got a monkey on your back Just one more fix, Lord, might do the trick One hell of a price for you to get your kicks Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers playing in perhaps one of the worst games that we've seen from them in quite some time, especially at Lambeau Field, falling to the upstart Dallas Cowboys 30-16. to And this one is going to have uh, you know quite a bit to say about it, and we had some great comments on the Facebook page. But I think we've been at this point where we think that this team is in decline. Uh, That was very apparent yesterday. But I think now everything is on the table for what 2016 might bring to this franchise. Uh, When they lost to the Vikings, it was, well, they're maybe not a Super Bowl contender anymore. After seeing them play yesterday and how consistently they've underperformed for about a calendar year now, um, I'm willing to say that no outcome to 2016 would surprise me at this point. Yeah, I thought we hit rock bottom a couple weeks ago against the Vikings, and it seemed like that's where finally you know, people started acknowledging some of the things that we've been seeing and talking about for about a year. I think you were kind of on this before most people were, but I think kind of through after the end of last year and early this year, people were starting to notice. But it seemed like that was a turning point, and then you have a good week after that, and then if it was even possible, you hit an even lower plateau <laughs> yesterday against Dallas because I think it just it made everything that we've been feeling concrete, it seemed like. And now it seems like everybody's on board. And for the first time, you know, we're seeing stuff release about, you know, McCarthy possibly losing his job and Aaron Rodgers just maybe isn't that good anymore. And it just seems like almost everybody's starting to realize this about the team now. Yeah, the fact that Fox Sports, who, you know, is is pretty reputable. I mean, every one of those has hot takes are happening left and right in every kind of media right now, but for them to publish an article that's basically advocating that if the Packers don't make it to the NFC Championship game, that they would be wise to move on without Mike McCarthy is just strange, and it's strange to the point where the the reaction isn't, wow, these guys are nuts. It's, well, I don't know, maybe, (laughs) and even that sounds nuts for a Super Bowl winning coach who hasn't missed the playoffs in eight years. Yeah, it's... Maybe it seems more strange because it's the Packers and because the relationship he has with Ted Thompson and how much he's kind of, despite being a good coach, has sort of flown under the radar. But, I mean, if you're looking at you know a coach in a bigger market that's kind of had the same resume, I think you're hearing the same stuff. And I think it's just we're a little more isolated here, I think, as, as the Packers, and, and maybe this stuff doesn't start happening sooner than the national media is not talking about it as much. Mm-hmm. But we see this before. I mean, we see Tom Coughlin get let go, and he seems almost untouchable, and, and Andy Reid and 
um, you know, college coaches and things like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's finally starting to kind of creep around to us here. And some things that we maybe be, have been feeling for a while. Yeah, and, and I agree with all of that, where we've seen the problems for a while now. Even in 2014, in those losses, it became apparent how dependent they were on a few guys at this point, or at least on the surface, it seems that way. But the guys you mentioned, Tom Coughlin, he is a two-time Super Bowl winner, hadn't made the playoffs for four years, and had back-to-back 6-10 and ten seasons before he was fired. Andy Reid was fired after a uh, offseason where they went out and got a whole bunch of free agents after having won the division the year before. They finished 8-8, eight and eight, and the following year finished 4-12, and 12, and then he was fired. Um, right now, Mike McCarthy... He's won. He's been to the playoffs seven straight times. It's one of the longest streaks in the history of the NFL. And so, even if they would go ten and six or nine and seven and make the playoffs, eight straight playoff wins would be runner up to the longest streak in the history of the league. I mean, so yeah, I can see they're definitely slipping, but he hasn't slipped to the level that uh, some people have. Like Sean Payton would be more in line with the Andy Reid and Tom Coughlin. Um, right analogy than Mike McCarthy would that he he has struggled but they've ne- they have not missed the playoffs since 2008 Barack Obama is about to leave office and the last time they missed the playoffs he hadn't even been sworn in yet hmm. yeah it's it's a unique situation I'll agree with that that those aren't aren't quite on and I think the, the the big denominator here is the fact that Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, and everybody expects this offense to be elite just because of that fact. Yeah. So when you're not winning NFC Championship games or going to Super Bowls every year, and much less in the last six years, I think that sort of puts extra pressure on. Yeah, and I would agree, and maybe this is where I want to take the discussion of this for right now, because this is obviously the biggest story of the day, but... Um, I think Mike McCarthy obviously is deserves almost as much blame as anyone. His offense has looked behind the times for a while, and the play calling does seem to leave something to be desired and, and expect your players to be a little bit more transcendent than maybe is expected on other teams. But I also doubt his play sheet says, throw it behind the receiver, throw it eight feet over your receiver's head when he's wide open in the end zone, fumble the ball on a quarterback draw that you audibled to. Um, I know you always, if you have to choose between a great player and a great coach, you're going to choose the great player a hundred times out of a hundred. But the biggest change between this team and all of the other Mike McCarthy teams is that Aaron Rodgers isn't even playing like an average quarterback right now. He's playing like a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. And that is crazy. And I don't know what's causing it. I think the offense is not helping it. But it was three years ago, and I had to look up the numbers. Three years ago, while the Aaron Rodgers was out and Scott Tolzien and Matt Flynn were playing quarterback, the Packers were getting better numbers passing the ball, total yards, the same number of points per game as they've gotten the last 18 starts with Aaron Rodgers. It was the same, and Jarrett Boykin was your number two receiver while Randall Cobb was hurt. This is the true numbers. I looked at them. From from the bye week of last year to yesterday, the Packers are scoring 21.9 points a game, 327 yards of total offense on average, 215 passing yards. In that stretch when Rodgers wasn't playing, they were scoring 21.5 points, 357 
total yards, which is 30 more, 234 passing yards, which is 20 more. They were more prolific offensively without Aaron Rodgers in 2013 than they have been with Aaron Rodgers the last 18 games. And I know that's three years ago, but this idea that we've heard from a lot of people is that the only reason this offense was ever good in the first place was because Aaron Rodgers has played like the best player in history in it for, for this entire time McCarthy's here. It's not true because they were that they were the same effectiveness as they are right now and scored 30 points on three different occasions without him in 2013. Wow. I mean, those are pretty, pretty crazy stats. And I, I kept thinking yesterday during the game and afterwards when kind of reflecting on it about the conversation we've had on here multiple times about who do you rank for most um, to blame for the problems this offense is having. And I immediately yesterday just re-racked my whole thing where Rodgers has always been at the end of my list because yeah. you know he's a, he's a god in Green Bay. He's played so well. He's been an MVP, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But I had a hard time trying to forget my my previous notions after watching that game yesterday because I think that specifically was – it was super apparent yesterday that the play calling was not the problem. It was actually, I thought, quite good. I mean, you, you got Ty Montgomery involved a bunch. You had guys getting open. Mm-hmm. I thought they were creative. And it was 100% almost, I would say. The receivers played well. The offensive line played well. Rodgers was the part that was not working. Mm-hmm. And, and missing guys and fumbling and turning the ball over and just looking off and, and just looking terrible. And um, it, it was kind of, I, I think... Normally throughout the year and when these games have been bad, it seems like there's been blame to place on everybody. But yesterday, I think, was the first time it was solely on number 12. It was like watching Denver last year in a lot of yeah. ways. They have great wide receivers. They, they're they protecting. They can run the ball. And granted, yesterday they had to do a lot of crazy stuff because they had nobody to run the football. Eddie Lacy basically couldn't cut when he was running to the side of his injured ankle. But... Yeah, once Eddie Lacy limped off the field, I had this feeling immediately like we're doomed. All we have left is the two-time MVP, and I, I don't believe that he can do anything right now, and it would be foolish to think that he'll never get back, but I was trying to think, this has been such a dramatic drop-off in production, I, I was struggling to find someone that I could even compare him to, and the only ones that were close were um, Boomer Esiason, who was an MVP-level talent all-pro talent for about his first five years, and then had a really big drop-off after turning 30 years old. Jim Everett um, was the same way, about 29 years old. And what's funny is uh, last week or the week before, we talked about the the greatest teams through history um, based on that kind of stock market formula that they had, so momentum and things like that. Um, when I was researching Jim Everett and Boomer Esiason, they both reached their apex in a game against each other in like week five of 1990. They had a 34 to 31 shootout, and from that point on, both of them basically steadily declined for the rest of their careers. It's really strange. But that, and then Kurt Warner is the only one I can yep. think of dominating the world for three years, and then completely falling off the face of the earth until he had a mini resurrection at the end. But that was three years. Rodgers has been doing it a decade. Like, outside of running backs, like maybe Sean Alexander or something, I don't remember a player being the best at his position and then a year and a half later being amongst the worst at his position. Yeah, and and the the crazy thing about those 
are two are I mean obviously Asaisen and, and Jim Everett although they were very good at the time I mean they were never what Rogers' prime was obviously and really nobody has been what no. he was at his prime and and in terms of Kurt Warner I mean he had some injuries involved there and then he ended up going to New York and there's other things that play there too and I can't pinpoint something quite like this um, I mean definitely nothing to this scale because he was on in the argument of greatest of all time kind of doing it while mm-hmm. he was at his apex and there's obviously nothing you can compare to this it would be more you know along the lines of you know Jim Brown or Jerry Rice or Reggie White all of a sudden falling off the face of the earth yeah uh, I, I think the history of the sport here it's hard to say we've ever seen much like this and he could, could could bounce back and then maybe this is just a blip on the career radar but right now it's unprecedented yeah it, it really is and you can think about Favre had kind of his crisis at his 30s but he fought through injuries when he did it and also the stuff he was doing was turning the ball over those had those trends and those characteristics had shown themselves from time to time throughout his entire career at no point in Aaron Rodgers career up until the midway point of last season had we ever seen him be inaccurate or indecisive, or afraid of the rush, or afraid to throw the ball. Like this would have been, I I don't know. Like I can't even I can't even concoct a, a scenario in my head of a quarterback who, like all of a sudden Steve Young in 1996 starts throwing four interceptions a game. Like it it just it doesn't it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen. Right. Um. So, what is your confidence level that it'll actually get better? I, I still, I, you have to feel like you said you'd have to be kind of ridiculous to not think it's going to turn around. It's the length of which this is going on is definitely the concerning part because maybe I'm losing like five percent confidence every week that it just doesn't <laughs> seem to turn around. Uh, you've had a whole off season in between. I guess if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd like to say I'm still at maybe like sixty-five or seventy percent confident that he can turn around and become elite again. But it's uh it's lowering for me for sure. I just, I think it's maybe more denial that I just can't wrap my head around this actually being how this is going to go. Yeah, I, I've said this before on the podcast that sometimes I'm a little bit too much wrapped up in the history and trying to find historical allegories and saying that, well, you know, this is like this, so that's how it's going to go. I mean, I've been waiting for 1999 to happen to this team for a long time, and that's partially the reason why I'm not completely willing to bail because, you know, if you're a fan of the Packers history, that they had a similar run of dominance with Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre. And when I say 1999, it was the year when they still had tons of guys who had won Super Bowls and all-pro players and Brett Favre seemingly in his prime. And then all of a sudden, they just weren't any good anymore. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't stop anybody. And they didn't make the playoffs after six years of some of the most dominant football anybody's ever seen. And I've been waiting for that to happen to this McCarthy franchise, and I believe I called it to happen after the slow start in 13 and in 14, and neither time it happened. And then, of course, last year, I'm like, well, you know, I was I was wrong the last two years. They're going to be fine this year, and then they <laughs> didn't finish very well. But they still made the playoffs. And so I, I'm still I'm – exp- I think if this were another team, I would view them like I view the Baltimore Ravens right now. <laughs> I don't have any – confidence that the Ravens are ever going to be good again with Joe Flacco and John Harbaugh, but I don't have any personal stake in it, whereas this, I, I do have a personal stake, and Rodgers was so elite, and I 
felt this way in 13 and 14, and it didn't happen. So maybe that's what's guarding me against it. But if this were some other team, I'd say they're finished with this uh, regime, coach, quarterback, and uh, GM as a as a trio winning championships. Yeah, you just it, it's hard not to get depressed and get down on this team and feel like this castle of McCarthy and Rodgers is just crumbling around you at your feet right now. You know, this once elite team that everybody thought every year was going to win the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden you see, you know, wow, Clay is getting older, and Jordy is not very explosive anymore. Randall Cobb's not quite what we thought. Um, you know, Julius Peppers is is basically a non-factor now. These two cornerbacks that you were super excited that you drafted can't stay healthy and don't play well when they're on the field. It's like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you have left to hang your hat on at this point? And you, and you have your quarterback that normally would be your shining star who's playing poorly. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's hard not to think the the world is crashing down around you at this point and stay positive which i know there's probably still some packer fans out there that are and kudos to you because i'm <laughs> really struggling with that right now yeah and and i feel like i'm even more positive these days than i used to be but yeah i i i'm always somewhat of a, of a pessimist anyways but yeah, I mean, you know me, Eric. When we when we watch backer games together, you know, back even then in the bad years, I'm watching till the last second, and when you're already done throwing stuff and are giving up on the game, they're down thirty, and I'm still, you know, thinking they're gonna win it. And I just, Steve has yeah. jaded me so much at this point. It's hard for even me to stay positive and think they're gonna turn it around. And this is probably really the first year that I can think of decisively where I feel like this this early in the year. Yeah, that's a scary thought if they've lost your faith, because yeah, I'm the guy sitting there. Yeah, I, I think I said I thought they'd go six and ten after they lost to the Lions in Week Three of 2014, yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then they lost twice the rest of the year. Um, and so maybe that's why I just don't want to say anything because I don't want to look stupid again. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard not to be. And certainly, I'm going to watch every game, and I'm going to hope for the best. And everybody's going to. We're still big fans, and we don't. I'd rather be wrong than sad. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But. Yeah, it. I don't know. I don't even know where I think they rank right now in uh, uh, in the league. They they the the Dallas Cowboys, which is what's going to be so frustrating, is I swear every national pregame show yesterday felt like I was watching the local Dallas pregame show. It's they're like Michigan in college football, where they just have to go on a small little run, and then everybody all of a sudden wants to deem them back, even if they maybe haven't beaten anybody and. I think Dallas is a good team, but they're not the Patriots. And for the Packers to just get completely destroyed by this team, and yes, they have some talent, and yes, Romo's been hurt the last couple of years, but they've gone to the playoffs one time in the last six years. When fully healthy, they went 8-8 eight and eight a whole bunch of times, and they're being led by two rookies. And it's not unprecedented for guys to come in the league and just start tearing it up, but it's let's not pretend like they lost to the Denver Broncos or they lost to the Patriots yesterday. And for them to look so inferior to a team that, for all I know, might not even make the playoffs when it's all said and done is what's even more striking about this. Right, and I, I think for everybody who watched that game, you knew that the offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott looked really, really good and, and just gashed us whenever they wanted to. But, I mean, you saw that team, too. They had a lot of inconsistencies, and Dak Prescott missed a lot of big throws, and they should have put you know their cleats on our throat much earlier than they did and had that thing closed out. I mean, had we been playing a better team, like you said, like New England, we would have lost that game by 40. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we basically tried to give the game away, and they didn't take it on every occasion. So we got kind of lucky that that only ended up being a two-touchdown game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're a very good team, though. I think probably the best in the 
in the NFC East and and probably a playoff contender. But I don't. I'm I'm with you. I I don't think that their defense is as good as we made them look. And I have a hard time believing their offense is that juggernaut either. Yet I, I we've seen pretty much every game they've played, and I think that we made them look a little better than they are. Yeah, and they tore apart Cincinnati too. But who who's really rough? But yeah, other than that, I mean, they just they're they're a very fundamentally sound team, and they run the ball well. But uh, yeah, I I'm with you. I don't. I don't think they're just this some kind of team that's going to go run away and win a Super Bowl anytime. Not maybe not this year. They certainly could because the NFC is so down across the board. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is just a really tough one for the Packers. Like I'm to the point where I think they're going partially because of injuries, but I think they're going to lose to the Bears on Thursday. And I don't know if I would pick this team to win nine games the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to pick him to beat the Bears, I think. I, I mean, that's a team that's much more dysfunctional than we are right now. Um, but I, I'm not going to be surprised. I mean, they lose at home to him last year on a Thursday game as well. And at least they had yeah, a I, running back in that game. They're not even going to have true. any running backs. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's difficult. I mean, you look down the schedule now, and you, it's a, a schedule that we felt was pretty easy. And now after that game, you have a hard time picking them. But you... I just kind of have that feeling that this is going to be exactly what happened with Detroit. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, you have this big downer, and then you kind of bounce back against a, a, a horrible team, and then all of a sudden people start feeling a little better again. And I'm almost a little afraid of that happening because it's it almost seems unrealistic, you know, like unrealistic yeah. view of what this team actually is. But if if you lose to this Bears team, I think the sky is is completely fallen and is already sitting on the ground in front of you. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. I was joking with someone at work today that I, 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 I don't know if I'll actually pick the Bears, but it's to the point where if the Bears won, it would be zero surprise to me. And and partially that's just because they have no cornerbacks, they have no running backs. Half the team missed practice today, and it's on a Thursday, so it's really really hard. But um, I was telling them that I think the the most likely thing that's going to happen is they're going to beat the Bears like 14 to 10 and the bears are going to turn it over six times and then mccarthy's going to be like well i'm i'm done with people uh, doubting my football team uh, this is a good football team we beat today and uh, if yeah. anybody thinks our offense is broken uh they gotta look in the mirror and fix their own problems <laughs> i think, I think that. for us i think the team is past that at this point i don't know if we're going to get any of these bs responses we've seen like the last you know the last couple of years against with wins against bad teams i think they know that they have to have a big showing yeah I don't know. We'll see. I still think of 13 when they beat the Ravens and were pumping their chests that they beat the defending Super Bowl champions when they were missing like 10 of the starters that were on that Super Bowl team. Yeah. We just yeah, beat... I always think about that game. That's like the classic <laughs> of that, of McCarthy and Rodgers saying, that, look at what we did. And that was just like, you watched the game and it was just terrible <laughs> against the bad team. Now I want him to win so McCarthy can come out and be like, yeah, it, it's not every day on a short week with a lot of injuries that you beat the nine-time world champions. Right, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, the other thing that nobody's talking about because the offense was so bad is the build-up to yesterday's game was this epic showdown between the Dallas great rushing attack and star rookie Ezekiel Elliott and this historic run defense that was on pace to be the best run defense in NFL history, and. I figured that we'd slow them down and they'd move the ball on uh, the Packers a little bit, and it turned out, no! The Cowboys ran right through the Packers like they were just some terrible defense, exposing them as complete frauds. And that might be even more, uh, maybe not more so than your two-time MVP playing like uh, Mike Tomzak, but 
it uh, certainly was also right up there as far as completely devastating uh, reality to uh, to learn. Yeah, that, I mean, that's almost as de- depressing as what we've been talking about for the first 20 minutes of this show, is that you thought, on top of maybe this um, offense that's struggling, you at least had this to hang your hat on. And you could say, well, you're facing the best offensive line and best running back in the league. But if you are truly like an elite run-stopping defense, you don't do that yeah. um, to that level. You can maybe give up a you know a, an 80, 90, 100-yard game to this guy, but they just ran at their will against you. And it, like you said, exposed you. It, it may be strong words, but as a fraud, it sure seems applicable after yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got completely bullied around, and um, no part of your defense really looked... They played okay in the first half, but... You know, as the game went on, they just did whatever they wanted to. Yeah, they finished with 33 carries for 191 yards, which is 5.8 yards per carry. I mean, that's that's like Wisconsin against a decent Big Ten team type numbers. And yeah, maybe a fraud is a little strong, but you would think that you would cancel out. Like you said, if if they would have had Elliott 24 carries for 99 yards, I'd have been like, okay, yeah, that's fine. He's a, he's a good back, and they, they got a good offensive line, but to see them just get completely dominated like they were the, the New York Giants or something like that was really disheartening. Especially when they could have very well just passed all over them if they wanted to because of how injured they were in the secondary, and they're like, no, we just don't believe the hype. We're just going to run it down your throat anyways, even if that's your strength. Right. Yeah, and, and nothing looked good. I mean, they didn't get much pressure on Dak, which for a young quarterback, obviously that's what you want to do. Their their offensive line just completely neutralized every part of our defense that we thought was a strength, which was, was kind of crazy to see. I mean, if you run into that team again in the postseason, I have, you know, as much as I think we were maybe not that much worse than them overall, I, I would not want to see that matchup again. I think you're kind of toast against them no matter what. Yeah, so now add that to another list of teams that we can't possibly hope to beat in the playoffs. Right. That's half the NFC at this point, I think. And, you know, until yesterday, Atlanta was on pace to have one of the five best offenses in history from a points and yards standpoint, and they still have to go down to the Georgia Dome and play them. Um, (laughs) Yeah, who the heck's going to cover Julio Jones? Um, I don't know the back line of the end zone. Yards again. He's he almost broke the record early this year. I'm gonna put it on paper right now now that he's gonna break it against us. (laughs) I think that might be a fair bet. See if there's a prop bet up in Vegas because if you book it right now, you probably would get quite a return for it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just, I mean, this feels like it's like the most depressing podcast we've had. But they've been like legit contenders for most of. Um, the time that we've talked, and it feels like they're like they're below the Chiefs right now. Is is how it feels. Just they're a team that's hoping to make the playoffs. And I'll get to the Facebook comments real shortly here. But Daniel Johnson brought up the good point where it feels like the early two thousands Packers. And if you're a longtime Packer fan, I think you instantly know what that felt like. Is you were disappointed if the team didn't win ten games and go to the playoffs, but you had no hope if you were any bit reasonable of them actually winning a championship. You're like, I hope they can get a home playoff game and maybe win that and then not get embarrassed by whoever the one seed in the NFC is. <laughs> and that's how it feels right now. Yeah, kind of back when the winning the NFC Central or the NFC North, whatever it was then, kind of felt like the apex a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. And hopefully we can kind of get past the season and not have to reflect on a, a long you know, seven, eight, nine year period, that's going to feel like that again, because that was pretty painful. 
Yeah, it really was. One thing I did want to mention, um, I was trying to buy time while I remembered the point I was trying to make, but the Packers.com website, which is actually very good, has an insider inbox every day where fans can send in comments and then uh, their writers will answer them. And for the most part, they're very fair. And um, today they had um, uh, Vic Ketchman on there. He's a longtime writer. He always does the day after. Um, He always is very much... um, I think he's fair to the players, just being uh, having known the players and whatever, but he seems to be dismissive if you want to fear at all that this team is on the decline, and uh, which is fine. I mean, you can take that opinion if you want. There's a lot of people that think that uh, we're very spoiled Packer fans, which there may be some truth to that. But anyways, today somebody was asking about why the offense has been slowly degrading over the last few years, and he brought up an interesting point that this team has been so bad on defense that they have drafted heavily on defense and neglected the offense with a lot of high picks. And he, he ended it with saying, you get what you draft. And that may be true to explain the offense, but then the flip side is that how big of a failure is it that you've basically spent the last five drafts Picking high play or picking defensive players with your high picks, probably at a two to three or a two to one clip, two out of three picks being on the defensive side, especially in the early round, and you still have what a defense that peaked at what like twelve or something like that. You would think if you put that much time and effort into drafting and developing a defense, if you were that good of a GM, you would have a team that's more akin to Seattle or Cincinnati or a team like that that has been able to get the play even Houston, that has gotten to the playoffs largely on the strength of their defense instead of a team where the defense is still a liability despite having about four number one picks. Yeah, and I think two good points there is, is one, I would disagree with him in the fact that I don't think you look at the talent on this offense and say that it's not enough to get it done. Yeah, I, I think you still your offensive line is very solid. You've got, I think, good enough receivers to get it done. You've got Eddie Lacy, who's very good when he plays, so I don't Think, and you've got well, who's supposed to be a great quarterback. I don't think that's your problem. No. But then I think more to your point, yeah, that's awful that basically since they took Clay at the end of the first round, all of their high picks have just been average players, really first and second round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, you maybe at this point say you have one elite player on defense, and that's Mike Daniels, and he was a, a mid, what, a third round pick? I think fourth. Third or fourth round yeah. pick. He's your only elite player, I would say. You could maybe say Clay. Um, is just below that to some extent, and and other than that, I mean, you've drafted a bunch of average players. Yeah, and you so, got lucky with. I, I think Jordy Nelson would be the best after Clay. He was a second, almost a first round pick. Well, I'm saying specifically defense. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So yep. I mean, your best players are are a fourth round pick, an undrafted free agent, Sam Shields, who's not even playing anymore. Yeah. And and Clay Matthews. Everybody else you've taken, Dayton Jones. Um, I'm. Can't even think of this long list of average players. Uh, you got Nick Perry. You've Nick got Perry. Ha Ha. Uh, who did Ha Ha get run over by? Yes, Dak Prescott. He 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 squared up Dak Prescott, and Dak ran him over. And I I don't remember what the announcers were saying, but the thought is like, oh my, wow, yeah, it's tough to bring Dak down. I'm like, you're a first round draft choice safety. You cannot get run over by the quarterback. I don't care if he's a big quarterback that spent his time in college running the ball. You're from Alabama. I bet you when you were at Alabama, you probably steamrolled him at Mississippi State. Yeah, and you've got Kenny Clark out there now who's doing nothing. I know he's a rookie still and early on, but I mean, not super impressive. It's just they've 
they've constantly gotten a, a bunch of role players, but nobody to actually make this defense any good. Yeah, they're they're all just guys. They drafted a whole bunch of Mer- Morgan Burnett's, and they're better than Ahmad Carroll's, but you're not going to win a lot of games with them. It, it, or you're not going to win a lot of games because of them. If you have an offense that's leading the league in scoring, you can go places, but yeah, ugh. <sighs> <laughs> I don't even know where to take this. I think we should go to the Facebook page because we had some really good comments on there and give us a chance to catch our breath. All right, so uh, I just asked people, basically said, sound off. Let us know what you think. And we got a few really good comments. Uh, Brian Dinsey said, we have to stop blaming play calling. This was the first Packer game I have been able to watch all season, and Aaron Rodgers looked atrocious. He has all the time in the world to throw and converts nothing, overthrows, or takes a sack. Honestly, he looked on the sideline that he would rather be anywhere but there all game. And this was something I sort of said to you in jest, but I sort of meant it too. There's been rumors, and they're probably not even close to 70% accurate. But there's been some weird talk coming from Aaron's brother, and then Aaron's family tie, uh, chimed in, almost siding with Jordan Rogers that Aaron doesn't talk to the family anymore. And if you've ever heard Aaron talk before about three years ago, all he talked about is how important family was, and his dad was the biggest influence in his life. And I joke to you that Mike McCarthy should have went at, at halftime and said, Aaron, I have one thing for you to do. Go call your dad. <laughs> And I don't know if he's just messed up in the head, but he clearly has a confidence problem. He looked miserable out there. Um, even times, and I don't think it's it's a sense that he was sulking, but he just looked so unsure of himself. When he got Devontae Adams smashed over the middle, he, he looked horribly upset that he would have done that to his teammate. And you just got to wonder where his head's at right now. Right, and it's funny kind of when the whole thing with him and Olivia Munn started, people started blaming that for his downfall, and, um, you know, everybody thought it was ridiculous, and now the stuff with the family comes out, and, I mean, we know nothing about the situation, but it's, you know, obviously that sort of stuff, without any knowledge on it, but just something relating to your family like that can weigh on somebody heavily. Yeah. I mean, we've got nothing else, we're grasping at straws here, we've got nothing else to explain why this is happening at such a a crazy level and for this big of a diminishment in play yeah you would think that there's got to be something mental going on here and i wouldn't i wouldn't blame it on that knowing nothing about the situation but i'm also would be um i wouldn't be opposed to the idea that something really is kind of messed up in his personal life and is maybe affecting him yeah i would say take all of those reports with a grain of salt because a lot of what jordan rogers said was used to kind of viral market his appearance yeah. on the bachelor yeah <laughs> um but I guess it's just a good reminder that these are human beings. And think of how effective you are at work when something's wrong in your real life. And now imagine your work was being broadcast to tens of millions of people. And, and you know there's cameras on your face and the announcers are talking about how poorly you're playing. And it just everybody in the world is focusing on how bad you're doing. Um, and then yeah. on top of that, to have things going on outside, it's it's got to be a challenge. And I can see how that could shake somebody's confidence, even though somebody who we thought was kind of supremely confident and overconfident at times, all of a sudden we're visibly seeing maybe the opposite of that. Well, and then there's personal pride involved. So if you start losing your confidence, if you're known as a confident person, you never want to let that go. You don't want people to see you as someone who's doubtful of their own abilities or, or not um, 
thinking that they can do something. I mean, we've all been there. You you have a persona that people kind of project on you, and you want to maintain that, even if behind the scenes you maybe don't feel that way all the time. And so imagine that magnified by a million if you're a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And so it it can be it can be really difficult. And you would think that the problems he's having would be caused by, I'm inclined to believe it's more something mental, where it might not be family something, it could be as simple as his confidence is shaken because he hasn't ever been this poor in his entire career going back to high school. Um, but maybe it's just it's a good reminder that, you know, we like to think of these people as Madden sprites, I think, especially with the, the rise of fantasy and things like that. They're real people like you and me, and, and think of how effective you were at your job the last time something was not right in your personal life. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Corey Bend responded to Brian Dinsey, said, Your point about Rodgers is well stated, but when we empty the backfield on the one-yard line and run a quarterback draw and then call a power formation run from the 16 on the next series, the play calling is part of the problem. Um, I, is that the fumble when they emptied the backfield? Uh, I believe so. And I agree, that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, obviously you don't expect Rodgers to fumble, but also... So I think the play calling is to blame. You'd be foolish to not say that at this point. But also, yesterday was a weird game for from a, to judge too strongly on the play calling. And maybe it's unfair to judge Rodgers too strongly yesterday because of the unique situation of basically having no running backs to use. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, you could, I guess you could still, maybe I'm just weighing so heavily on the Rodgers side, you could probably still criticize the play calling. I just think there's so we're so many bigger issues yesterday to really, I don't know, they were conservative again, they made some weird calls, but I think, like you said, on that quarterback draw, it almost seemed like that was an, an audible type play, unless I'm, I'm misremembering the same play he's referring to. Yeah, that could be, but the one where he fumbled is, I had I didn't notice it in real time, but I had um, heard on the radio that there was, they were speculating that it was an audible. Um, but, yeah, it... I don't know. <laughs> um, so Daniel Johnson said uh, he's ready for today's show. Uh, that game was horrific. This offense is in disarray, and now the defense isn't keeping up their end. I know McCarthy said last week that they had 406 yards of offense, so there was nothing to complain about. But when you have so many drives and in the red zone without a touchdown, there's cause for concern. The team is now reminding me of the 2000 to 2004 Packers, but we don't have the good run game to support a falling Aaron Rodgers. Those teams are always in the playoffs, but either lost in the wild card or divisional round, and usually in a very disappointing fashion. R-E-L-A-X, no, it's it's time to P-A-N-I-C. At least my wife's cousin played well, who, if you weren't following the Facebook page, Daniel God, uh, Johnson's wife's cousin, allegedly, is uh, Dak Prescott. Um, he probably also lives in Canada, um, you know, talks to him. He, he would give you his number, but, uh, you know, he's busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking, Daniel. <laughs> um, what, what do you think about any of those comments? I know we kind of talked about that before. Yeah, I, I think it is kind of interesting that, to hear a lot of people that, and maybe not all of our listeners remember the early 2000s Packers as well as we do, but it's kind of interesting to hear so many people kind of relating back to that. It, it's hard not to. I mean, when you, like us, and I think a lot of our listeners have been fans of the Packers for 20-plus years, it just seems like there's so much correlation here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's strange how parallel these are, how you get, for a decade, each decade basically, you get an elite-level, all-time great quarterback, and it's weird to see their careers kind of progressing in almost the same way, and the team more so progressing in sort of the same way. Yeah, um, it's just really unique. Not only do you, 
so few teams get blessed to have quarterbacks like us back to back, but to see their careers kind of pan out in the same way and how it's happening so far, we can only hope that we get some, you know, like a 2007 ish run with, you know, a couple of good runs maybe towards the end of Aaron's career. But right mm-hmm. now, it's, it definitely feels like the early 2000s. So, what would be the heartbreaking equivalent of a poetic justice ending for a 2007 esque old Aaron Rodgers season? So he can't throw the oh, big interception would- to lose. No, it would definitely be an overtime game in which... Sacked? You've got to think of something even more bizarre than has ever happened before because you've had the Seattle games and the Arizona games. Something where he gets, like, sacked and the ball gets, like, stuck in a defender's helmet or something and then they start running the other way. It's got to be something <laughs> crazy. But definitely a sack involved in de- definitely an overtime loss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true. I know, I'm trying to think. It would have to be something like he got sacked... And then somehow the guy, he, he strip-sacked, the guy recovered it, and then somehow fumbled it, and then Rodgers recovered it and threw it for like 70 yards, and then the guy's tackled at the one or something like that. It would have to be yeah. <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, and also, Daniel Johnson brought up the great point about the running game, which I think is very different between now and 2000 and uh, the early 2000s, is that I really like Eddie Lacy, uh, but he's n- not even close to as good as Amon Green and this offensive line that's being touted very highly, and even last year people saying that this might be the best offensive line they've ever had, I don't think they're, they're as good as that 2003 offensive line. And so if Favre struggled, which he did in uh, 2003, especially uh, when he had the injury, they didn't have a running back that was capable of almost a 2,000-yard season and an offensive line to let him get sacked, I think, something like 10 times all season. So I think that's a big difference that, Maybe this team won't even be able to achieve what that early 2000s team did. Right, yeah. All right, and then Corey Bend had a really interesting comment that I wanted to discuss a little bit further. He said, this is Mike McCarthy's 11th season. The only coaches to win a Super Bowl past their 10th year with a team are Tom Landry, Chuck Knoll, Joe Gibbs, Bill Cower, and Bill Belichick. And Gibbs and Knoll barely sneak in there, winning their final championships in year 11. If the last 10-plus seasons have made anything crystal clear... Crystal in all caps. It's that Mike McCarthy decidedly does not belong in company like that. He's Andy Reid with a Super Bowl ring. That one title run is the reason he's stuck around so long, and now all of the underlying flaws in his approach are being exposed. His offensive concepts are outdated. He seemingly forgets that he has a 240-plus pound running back on his roster when he can get near the goal line, and his reputation as a quarterback guru is collapsing further with each terrible Rodgers game. McCarthy would probably look better if Rodgers was still in 2014 form instead of spending a full season basically cosplaying as Ryan Tannehill. But here we are. These guys have been calling each humiliating loss a, quote, learning experience ever since we got crushed by Denver last year. But 11 months later, I'll be damned if I can name one thing they've learned or if they're even capable of learning their way out of this. I'll be at the game on Thursday, and I hope they drop 40 and crush the Bears. But if they do anything less than that... I'm ready to see this blow up because this regime isn't winning another Super Bowl. McCarthy needs to go and management needs to put Rodgers on the hot seat. And if we need to go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine this year for that to happen, so be it. So okay. Yeah, you get him. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, A, that's a great comment. And also, akin to Matt losing hope, Corey, I know you have always been very... Uh, uh, you've gotten on me when I lose hope really early and which at times was justified but for you to lose complete hope i mean now we're 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 hopeless if if we we don't have matt or Corey here 
Yeah, I, I mean that's like what I what I was saying earlier. It just seems, feels like all of our defenses are down now. I, it's it's really really hard to be positive and not feel like this whole this whole regime and this whole Packer team has just come is crumbling down and almost to not want to see change. It's almost I, I don't even know how to say it. It's almost like a you feel almost vindicated in seeing this happen because it's it feels like there's been signs of this for the last you know five years plus that we've been seeing. And it's just everything's coming to fruition at once. How do you stay positive through this when nothing seems to be working anymore and everything you've, you've known was going to work? And no matter what, you've got Rodgers to, to take you through it. And just that's not even there anymore. It's like, how are you positive right now and think this team's going to be any good this year? Yeah, there is one thing, too, in Corey's comment that I did want to bring up, and that's at the end where he mentions how he wants to see this thing get blown up and start over if things don't improve. And thinking about that, and then also some of the guys he mentioned earlier on, Tom Landry, Chuck Noll, those guys stayed on for a long, long time after um, kind of their prime was met. And I just wanted to know your thought on that, and it's kind of akin to what the Brewers are doing right now. Everybody was on board with rebuilding, but I see a lot of fans with almost this irrational expectation that it's going to work. And I feel fans do that a lot where when they think of a rebuild, they always think of the successful examples. And I just want to know if you're willing yet to go down that route. And the thing for me is you you talk about there's two sides to each coin. Let's take Chuck Noll and Joe Gibbs. Chuck Knoll's Steelers won the Super Bowl after 1979. He coached there until 1991, and they never tore it down. They tried to keep just building it and replacing the old talent, and they were mildly competitive. They went back to another AFC Championship game. They made the playoffs a couple of other times, were uh, one point away from making the AFC Championship in the late 80s. Um, so they were kind of there, but they weren't even close to what they used to be and would have a bad season now and then and genuinely be a middle-of-the-road team. Then you had the Redskins, who completely tore it down two years after Joe Gibbs left the first time and arguably have not recovered in 20 years after spending a decade-plus as one of the best teams in the league have basically been a doormat for the last quarter century. And think of Miami. Miami had been good for 40 years, and when they tore it down, they've been bad for a decade since. And even Indianapolis was really good with Peyton Manning. They tore it down. They brought it back up. But the Andrew Luck Colts are not even close to as good as the Peyton Manning Colts were. And so I guess what? when do you think you want to rebuild? Because I think people don't give enough credit or credence to how often you don't return to the level you're at. And, and the Packers are struggling right now, but the level they've been at the last seven years is not one people get to that easily. Well, and you look at a good handful of the NFL teams, it feels like they're never not rebuilding. In it. So yeah. I think when you're at least a team that, if you stay status quo with this team, I think you expect them to be anywhere from probably 8 to 11 wins every year going forward, even if you keep it as is. I it's it's tough because it's really really risky to do that and especially at depending on what level you blow it up i think before you completely blow things up you you do a coaching change you keep this you know you keep aaron Rodgers around you maybe even keep ted thompson around um you know to see if that's your problem you've at least got five six years maybe left of a, a quarterback that you feel could still have an elite prime to see if you can salvage this before you completely tear everything down mm-hmm. um I, I don't think you're at that point yet, but I think that if this does not go well this year, I th- I think they probably should 
at least make a coaching change, and I think they probably will. I mean, if you finish around eight or nine wins with what the talk already is, I think you probably do see that. What realistically has to happen this year for that scenario of switching out the coach to happen this offseason? You know, in, in years past, I think with, you know, Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy's relationship, I would have said it would have taken a lot, probably like a six or seven win season and missing the playoffs, and even that might not have been enough. But I think when, you know, you're an offensive guru, your offense has been this bad for this long, um, you know, you're wasting the prime of, of Aaron Rodgers, although a lot of it has to do with him as well. I, I mm-hmm. think that, I think even if this team makes a wild card and loses, I think you still could potentially see it. I think miss playoffs, you definitely see it, but I think you could even see a little higher level of achievement in the playoffs and still potentially see it if these problems persist. Yeah, I I guess I have a hard time believing Ted Thompson would ever fire Mike McCarthy at this point. Like To me, the most, the most likely scenario would be Thompson retires after this year and then the new GM fires McCarthy either mid-season next year or after next year. Uh, unless they were really bad, like if they if they went six and ten and then Thompson retired, I could see McCarthy getting fired, provided all of this happened really fast in early January. But if this happened later in the off season, I think that you would at least have one more year of lame duck McCarthy like Sherman before the new GM brought somebody else in. Sure, and I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they have a pretty good bond, but I don't know with just how things are looking right now. I just I, maybe I'm just feeling like I can kind of almost sense the vibe from out here because the media is starting to get so negative too, and I yeah. don't think that like Ted Thompson's immune to that. It really feels like the beginning of the end for all three of these guys. I, like yesterday was the first time I felt like I wouldn't be that surprised. Almost half, ex- like a fifty-fifty chance that Aaron Rodgers plays a game for another team at some point in his career. I mean, it's it's strange. <laughs> I mean, it's week five. I mean, it's or whatever uh, week six, five games into the season. It probably sounds ridiculous to someone who's not with this franchise or a fan of this franchise and who uh, their teams are in a constant state of flux all the time. But um, God, I can't. Maybe two thousand five was the last time that it felt so apocalyptic as in the Green Bay Packers organization, and they still have a winning record. I mean, they're they're three and two, but it's it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. So, okay. Um, the other, I guess, I, I I don't know if I had anything else on that, but uh, great comment, Corey, and thank you, Daniel and uh, Brian, as well for uh, co- uh, contributing here and uh, giving us some great stuff to talk about. So let's real quick hammer through our uh, week seven picks. Um, the Giants and Rams will play an eight thirty game in um, London, and I thought the Rams were a fake good team, and even though they lost yesterday, I, f- I still don't think they're good, but they're better than I thought they were. And uh, even though the Giants won, they don't look very good at all. Right, and Keenum played really well yesterday. It's kind of shocking to see what that team's doing. I think I'm still going to pick New York here, though. I, um, I, no matter what, I just can't buy Case Keenum and the Rams. I don't think as many games as they win, I'll pick against them. Um, I'm going to pick the Rams, I think. Um, I don't know why. I just think they've, they looked more fundamentally sound yesterday than the Giants did. The Saints at the Chiefs. I don't know. Um, I think, I think I'll go with Kansas City in that one. They looked impressive in the game yesterday. Um, I didn't get to obviously see a lot of it, but you beat a pretty good team on the road. I think you come home against a bad defense. I think they win. 
Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, the Saints on the road are always rough, and uh, man, the I'm not that impressed that they beat the Panthers because Carolina's abysmal right now. Uh, yeah. Um, we were talking about that yesterday, trying to think of any Super Bowl participants that were as bad as Carolina is after, and really outside of 99. Denver and uh, the 99 Falcons and maybe uh, the Raiders were really bad the year after they went to the Super Bowl. There, I don't know if there's any worse than Carolina. Or, or I mean, uh, Carolina's not the worst, but I don't know if there are any that are worse. They're in that company with some of the worst follow-ups to Super Bowls ever. Yeah, I think that 99 Falcons one's a good one. And the, the only difference there is you had a, an MVP at quarterback, whereas, I, I mean, you had Chris Chandler there. So I yeah. But I think overall, those teams were very similar. So I think that's why it's a good comparison. You still have the same team in place. They were somehow, even though they hadn't been very good for the few years prior, found it all of a sudden one year and were really, really good and had a great record. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, they kind of came back down to earth with the, almost the same roster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very similar. Because I think Carolina, what, they were 7-8-1 and one the year before. And I think Atlanta '97 was seven and nine, and then they were fourteen and two, and yeah. it just kind of got crazy. And at least in their defense, though, um, I think it's second or third game of the year. Jamal Anderson blew out his knee, so y- you lose a lot there. Okay, the Vikings at the Eagles. Do the Vikings get their first loss? Um, man, I I, I want to pick Philly here, but I I guess I can't. I'm not going to pick against Minnesota till they lose again. I, it's just hard to just killing people. Uh, had a bye week to prepare for this, and Philly's kind of fallen back down to earth here. I'll pick Minnesota. Sam Bradford's return to Philadelphia, though. That that too, yeah. Um, I will pick Minnesota as well, and also I hope you saw yesterday during the Fox game or one of the Fox games they were showing a stat graphic where they had the two quarterbacks standing ready to throw like they always do and very clearly the Sam Bradford (laughs) photo for reasons I don't know was his head photoshopped on Teddy Bridgewater's body (laughs) it was really weird because Bridgewater has like the gloves and the long sleeves like you couldn't tell the most obvious difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford but it was his head looked enormous it was really weird I think uh they couldn't find a good enough action shot of him apparently well and he's played five games there's got to be some out there but um I think uh, Jason Chastain took a photo of that so if I can find that I'll I'll link it on the Podbean page for everybody to see because it was hilarious The Colts at the Titans, the stupid Colts. Uh, They were a a team I picked in a knockout league yesterday because I felt really good about them, and I felt really great until about five minutes left in the game, and then they blew it like they always do. Oh, you know, I you know what? Thanks for breaking that news. I fell asleep during the end of that. They they blew that game. They lost in overtime. Yeah, they were up twenty three to six, and they lost in overtime. I, I I. I mean, I was watching it, but I paid so little mind to it. I totally forgot to see who ended up winning last night. Well, that's crazy. They were up what? I think 20, 23 to, I think it was only 14, but it was really late. I had that, I always talk about my million TVs. I was watching the a, or the NLCS on my main TV. Man, that's a that's a crazy team. I think probably maybe the only more depressing uh, podcast, podcast out there today than ours is probably blue and white forever. I mean, that's got to <laughs> yeah. be pretty rough. Yeah. Um, sure. I, I'll pick the Colts in this one. I guess just uh, Tennessee, I'm not buying it. And they're 3-3. Three and three. They, They're not as good as that record. I'll pick the Colts. Yeah, for some reason, I just feel like uh, I'm going to pick Tennessee at home. I don't know. Maybe they're they're not that good, but I think they're feeling better about themselves. So maybe they can uh, win a big division game. And, you know, the Colts stink, and everybody that's not in that division sees them for what they are. But they're still probably the the team to beat if you're one of those other three teams in that division. So um, maybe they'll get a little bit higher up for that game. 
The Bills at the Dolphins. All of a sudden, Buffalo looks really, really good. And uh, that being said, since they're Buffalo, I bet you they'll lose to the Dolphins, who shockingly won yesterday. Yeah, and Miami gets a weird win, too, against Pittsburgh. And I, uh, I'll go Buffalo. I'm, okay. I'm not buying Miami. You look bad for all those weeks, and then you catch a, a weird upset victory. Uh, I guess I'll go Bills. Yeah, I mean, I could go either way on that. Um, the Redskins at the Lions. So we'll probably get Vikings-Eagles, but... They they forced me to watch all these Lions games against these bums, and now this will probably be a high-scoring, fun game, and I won't get to watch it. Yeah, Reds, uh, Redskins-Detroit, you're saying? Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, I'll go Washington here. Um, Detroit at I'm going to take the Lions at home. Uh, we'll just have some variance. And Matt Stafford, ever since uh, our pal Jim Bob Cooter took over there, he's uh, been tearing it up. <laughs> yeah, he was great yesterday, too. What a... Ugh. I wanted to make up names of other people they might hire to be with Jim Bob Cooter, but that's probably not in the best taste for a podcast as yeah, family-friendly as ours. The Browns at Bengals. The Browns stink. I'll pick the Bengals. Bengals. Yep. <laughs> uh, Raiders at Jacksonville. The Raiders looked like they were on the ascendance and then have kind of crashed back to earth the last couple of weeks, and Jacksonville came back to beat the Bears, but they still don't look anything as uh, good as the highest hopes for them um, expected. Yeah, I'll go Raiders here. I, th- I think they're a much better team. Um, it's in Jacksonville. Um, I'll take I'll take the Raiders as well. The Ravens at the Jets. Ugh, what a gross game. Yeah, kind of similar teams, right? I, th- I guess I'll go Jets at home. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel like they're basically identical. Yeah, so back to back games at the Meadowlands for the Ravens. That that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I'll take the. Ah oh, man, I wish we could see the. Uh, who cares? I'll take the I'll take the Jets as well. The Chargers at Falcons. This could be fun. I'll take Atlanta yeah, uh, in this one. <laughs> yeah, same here. Maybe it won't be that fun. I guess I, I don't know. Even though Atlanta lost yesterday, they they did a lot on offense against a good defense. I think that team's for real. Yeah, and I think uh, San Diego at least can score, and they just can't seem to put anybody away. Um, yeah. At least they. Did you see those? Uh, any of that Thursday night game with the color rush? I did, yeah. Those were I didn't watch much of the game, but those were cool jerseys. Yeah, both sides. I, I think those are my favorite color rushes so far. And so the Packers are going to wear all white this Thursday, and I think the Bears are just wearing all navy, right, or all black, or whatever it is. I don't know if I've seen the Bears ones. Yeah, the Packers ones look pretty cool, though. I'm excited for those. Yeah, I I was bemoaning having to do the color rush, and then once they kind of wimped out and did all white, they look cool. But then I'm kind of like, oh, I, now I wish that you had done all green or something, right? Um, the Buccaneers at 49ers. Colin Kaepernick finally getting to play and uh, didn't look all that different than he did last year when he was struggling. Right. Um, I'll, I'll go Bucks here, I guess. I don't, I don't trust Kaepernick to put up any points. Um, I'll go, I'll go San Francisco just because Tampa Bay has still been so inconsistent so far this year. The Patriots at the Steelers. So, um, I still see people whining and complaining about deflate gate and all that kind of stuff. And if the Patriots, they got a really cupcake schedule while uh, Tom Brady was gone, they got to find out that their backup quarterback is legit a really good player. And now their toughest game so far this year, they get to play the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, and this is really the only game you see on the rest of their schedule that you could maybe pick against them, but now you got no Roethlisberger. I don't know if this team's going to lose again the rest of the year. I'm gonna, I would have picked Pittsburgh probably had Big Ben been playing, but I'm going to have to go New England here. I'll pick New England, and uh, we'll see. It should be somewhat interesting when they play at Buffalo next week. That could be kind of fun. Yeah, that'll be a good one. 
But if uh, history is any indicator, every time Buffalo is starting to get full of themselves, it's usually around this time of year, and then New England comes to town and beats them by 40. So that'll probably happen again. Sunday night football, the Seahawks at the Cardinals. Uh, Seattle's another team that I really can't make heads or tails of at this point. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll pick Seattle, though. I think think they're still probably who I'd pick to win the NFC still at this point here, and they they grit one out yesterday, so I'll, I'll pick the Seahawks. Did you see that final play where supposedly Sherman interfered with Julio Jones? I did. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was probably pass interference, but I, I don't know if it's enough to go insane about, I guess. I, I would have been complaining if I was a coach or Julio Jones, too, but I, yeah. I guess whatever. Those kind of calls get missed at the end of games. I thought that when I saw the all the replays and stuff, it looked like you could have called it, but what, I saw that play live on Red Zone, and I didn't have a problem with it as it happened. Yeah. So. Oh, this should be a fun one on Monday Night Football. Brock Osweiler and the Texans coming to Denver to play the Broncos on Matt's birthday. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't understand why the NFL's ratings are dropping at all. Right now. <laughs> I do not want to watch this game either. As much as Denver's a, a pretty good team, they're definitely not exciting to watch. And this, Brock Osweiler's pretty terrible. I know he had a comeback, and I missed that yesterday, but I did see some of the first half, and at halftime they were ripping him to shreds. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'll stay Denver on this one. No, despite the comeback, I still think Brock Osweiler stinks. So I'll pick Denver as well. And I don't know, do you, does anybody hate Osweiler enough? Or like, ha- did he have a big enough mark in Denver for anybody to feel like this is some kind of blood feud like I feel like they no, want us I, to? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, and then on Thursday Night Football, just three days from now, whatever is left of the Green Bay Packers is going to host the Chicago Bears in the color rush game. And... um I'll try to see what color the Bears are going to wear, but uh, more importantly, who's going to win? Yeah, so as we talked about before, I think I'll still stick Green Bay. I think it's a low-scoring game again, um, probably a, kind of a similar feel to the one that happened last year around this same time. You've, with the depleted Packers, you, you definitely see them losing this game, but the Bears have their own problems. They lose to a bad Jacksonville team and with the, allowing a comeback. I just think they've got more problems than we do right now. As much as we've complained all show, um, I guess I have a hard time picking against the Packers. At home. Oh, um, yeah, everything you say is is correct, but um, maybe I'm just so shell shocked by this this team right now. On a, on a short week, they're going to be so beat up. They might not even have a running back to use. Um, I don't know who the heck is going to cover Alshon Jeffrey. Granted, they don't really have anything else on the the team, but I feel like the Bears are going to win a game that's similar to what happened on Thanksgiving. Uh, Hoyer's been playing okay recently, and um, so I'm going to be stupid and uh, pick the Chicago Bears. And everybody, every you can rub it all on my face next week if if that's indeed um, if what you say happens, which I hope you're right. But uh, that's just kind of how I feel right now. I and I don't know if that would be like would make me feel any worse about the Packers. Part of it's just because they're completely decimated by injuries. The Bears are wearing all navy, which we've already seen them wear before in the past, so that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, it's kind of boring. Okay, well, I want to thank everybody for listening um, and uh, chiming in with some comments and some really good discussion on the Facebook page. If you want to leave a comment about this episode or leave us some topics for future episodes, you can do so. Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can also tweet at us, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. And uh, go to the Podbean page. You can leave comments beneath the episodes. Nobody ever does that. But if you want to be a trendsetter, you can do that. Uh, That's Green and Gold Forever. 
greengoldforever.podbean.com and definitely download the Podbean app and follow Green and Gold Forever. You get the complete archives of Green and Gold Forever. It's a really good podcasting app. It has the skip forward and skip back just like the iTunes one does. So um, think about downloading that and going back and listening to some happier times in Packers history perhaps. Now, go listen to that great time when uh, Tolzien and Matt Flynn were the offensive juggernaut that the Packers are today. That's right. All right, so for Matt in Altoona, I am Eric in Appleton, and uh, here's hoping, against hope perhaps, that some better days are ahead for the Green Bay Packers. Take care, everyone.